Amaterasu and Susanu. Susanu, or the impetuous male, was the brother of Amaterasu, the sun goddess. Now Susanu was a very undesirable deity indeed, and he figured into the realm of Japanese gods as a decidedly disturbing element. His character has been clearly drawn in the Nihongi, more clearly perhaps than any other deity mentioned in these ancient records. You see, Susanu had a very bad temper, which often resulted in many cruel and ungenerous acts. Moreover, in spite of his long beard, he had a habit of continually weeping and wailing. Where a child in a tantrum would crush a toy to pieces, the impetuous male, when in a towering rage and without a moment's warning, would wither the once fair greenery of mountains, and in addition, bring many people to an untimely end. His parents, Aizanagi and Aizanami, were much troubled by his doings, and after consulting one another, they decided to banish their unruly son to the land of Yomi. Susanu, however, had a word to say in the matter. He made the following petition, saying, I will now obey thy instruction and proceed to the Netherland. Therefore, I wish for a short time to go to the plain of high heaven and meet with my elder sister Amaterasu, after which I will go away forever. This apparently harmless request was granted, and Susanu ascended to heaven. His departure occasioned a great commotion of the sea, and the hills and mountains groaned aloud with his exit. Now Amaterasu heard these noises, and perceiving that they denoted the near approach of her wicked brother Susanu, she said to herself, Is my younger brother coming with good intentions? I think it must be his purpose to rob me of my kingdom. By the charge which our parents gave to their children, each of us has his own allotted limits. Why, therefore, does he reject the kingdom to which he should proceed, and make bold to come spying in mine? Amaterasu then prepared for warfare. She tied her hair into knots and hung jewels upon it, and around her wrist she wore an august string of 500 Yasaka jewels. She presented a very formidable appearance when, in addition, she slung over her back a thousand arrow quiver and a 500 arrow quiver and protected her arms with pads to deaden the recoil of the bowstring. Having arrayed herself for deadly combat, she brandished her bow, grasped her sword hilt, and stamped on the ground until she had made a hole sufficiently large to serve as a fortification. All this elaborate and ingenious preparation, however, was in vain. The impetuous male adopted the manner of a penitent. When he arrived, he said, from the beginning, my heart has not been black. But as, in obedience to the stern behest of our parents, I am about to depart forever to the Netherland, how could I bear to depart without having seen face to face thee, my elder sister? It is for this reason that I have traversed on foot the clouds and mists, and have come hither from afar. I am surprised that my elder sister should, on the contrary, put on so stern a countenance. Amaterasu regarded these remarks with a certain amount of suspicion. After all, Susanu's filial piety and Susanu's cruelty were not easily to be reconciled. 
She thereupon resolved to test his sincerity by a remarkable proceeding we need not describe here. Suffice it to say that for the time being, the test proved the impetuous male's purity of heart and general sincerity towards his sister. But Susanu's good behavior was a very short-lived affair indeed. It happened that Amaterasu had made a number of excellent rice fields in heaven. Some were narrow and some were long, and Amaterasu was justly proud of these rice fields. But no sooner had she sown the seeds in the spring than did Susano break down the divisions between the plots, and in the autumn he let loose a number of piebald colts. A few days later, when he saw his sister in the sacred weaving hall, weaving the garments of the gods, he made a hole through the roof and flung down a flayed horse. Amaterasu was so frightened that she accidentally wounded herself with the shuttle. Extremely angry, she determined to leave her abode. So, gathering her shining robes about her, she crept down the blue sky, entered a cave, fastened it securely, and there dwelt in seclusion. With Amaterasu in hiding, the world was now in darkness, and the alteration of night and day was unknown. When this dreadful catastrophe had taken place, the eight myriads of gods assembled together on the bank of the river of heaven and discussed how they might best persuade Amaterasu to grace heaven once more with her shining glory. No less a god than thought combining, after much profound reasoning, gathered together a number of singing birds from the eternal land. After sundry divinations with a deer's leg bone over a fire of cherry bark, the gods made a number of tools, bellows, and forges. They then welded together some stars to form a mirror. Jewelry and musical instruments were also fashioned. When all these things had been duly accomplished, the 80 myriads of gods came down to the rock cavern where the sun goddess lay concealed and gave an elaborate entertainment. On the upper branches of the true Sakaki tree, they hung the precious jewels, and on the middle branches, the mirror. From every side, there was a great singing of birds, which was only the prelude of what followed. Now, Yuzume, or the heavenly alarming female, took in her hand a spear wreathed in eulalia grass and made a headdress of the true Sakaki tree. Then she placed a tub upside down, stood upon it, and proceeded to dance in a very immodest manner until the 80 myriads of gods began to roar with laughter. Such extraordinary proceedings naturally awakened the curiosity of Amaterasu, and she peeped forth from her cave. Once more the world became golden with her presence, and once more she dwelt in the plain of high heaven, and Susanu was duly chastised and banished to the Yomi land. <laughs>